Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as always, is Mr. Austin Hartsfield. What's going on, Austin? How are you doing? We just can't stay healthy at the same time. It's yeah, I've, insane. Uh, if, you, if you haven't noticed, I'm battling a little bit of a sinus thing. I've been battling it for basically all year. It's been a wonderful year, uh, 2020, for, for the Clark family. Uh, I think we're all have been infected with the the plague here in in San Diego, but we're battling on. Uh, some really really interesting stuff has has been breaking, uh, Padre related, uh, mostly rumors. We'll we'll go into that a little bit later on. We'll, we'll hit the bets rumors a little later on. Uh, but we're excited and proud to have uh, Mr. Jonathan Mayo of MLB Pipeline with us today. Going to review a little bit of the top 100 list, which just dropped. Uh, what's going on, Jonathan? How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Just, you know, catching my breath in between top 100 and uh, diving into all of our team top 30s, which are right around the corner. Yeah, this is definitely a, a busy time of the year for you guys, right? You guys are scrambling around getting all your your uh, your stuff in order, correct? Yep. It's uh, when I'm not, you know, talking to you guys, I'm either working on a list, uh, writing up blurbs or talking to, you know, like player development people on the phone. So it's all good. Nice. It's always, always, always more information to gather about these guys, right? Yeah. I know it is kind of never ending. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's get into the list. Well, first off, before we start talking about the list, give us a little bit about what you, what goes into to just creating this list between you guys. Is this, is, is there a, a, a meeting in a, in a bar in a, in a, in a meeting room? Is it a war room type of effort? What, what kind of uh, information can you get us on, on how you guys gather and share this information with each other and, and make this list? Oh man, we totally should be meeting in a bar. What is wrong? <laughs> uh, you know, I think that, I think the big problem is that uh, I'm in Pittsburgh and Jim Callis is in Chicago and Mike Rosenbaum's in New York. So uh, basically what we do is we, we start out by formulating our own personal top 100s. And that's without having had too many conversations with people. But, you know, the, the top 100 guys we're all really familiar with. And, uh, you know, the, we do that re-rank kind of late July. And, uh, you know, obviously there are changes from that list to this one, but we know the names. So we come up with our own personal list and then we combine them and sort of see where, uh, there are some, you know, large deviations, um, and maybe we adjust. Sometimes it, it evens out just by averaging out the numbers. Um, we'll tweak it some, and then we send it out to a whole lot of people for feedback uh, in, in the scouting industry and move guys up and, and down accordingly. And eventually we end up with the, the list that, that everybody saw come out over the weekend. Awesome, awesome. Uh, before we get into the five that, that made the cut, uh, was there anybody that was kind of on the cusp? Uh, I heard I had heard that Gabriel Arias was was close. I don't know if uh, I believe Rosenball had tweeted something out, uh, about that that he had made the list as far as a couple people's top one hundred. Uh, any other prospects that were kind of on the cusp of of making this list for the Padres? So I mean, yeah, I, I obviously would defer to Mike since he does 
the he does the Padres top uh, top one hundred. Okay. You know, it's such a I mean top thirty. It's um, it's such a good list um, that I think there are a lot of guys who could step up. I could totally see uh, Arias being a guy who makes a move. Uh, you know, let's say he goes out in, in Double A and does the same thing. Maybe the the plate discipline gets a little better. I could, you know, I could see him making a move in that direction. Other than that, you never know when one of these guys were like lower levels hit full season ball and like take off. Um, you know, things really click for some of these toolsy guys. Uh, but there wasn't anybody else who really entered the the conversation. Um, you know, I'd like to see what Ryan Weathers does, but I think his ceiling is somewhat limited. So I don't know if he's like, you know, but if he starts putting it together and starts commanding the baseball better, could he be a, a tail end of a top 100 kind of guy as a pitchability lefty? Yeah, maybe. Um, but I, um, but he didn't really enter in, you know, firmly into conversation. And at this point, I'm kind of, it's all conjecture. Yeah, no, I, I definitely hear you. Uh, I noticed that Adrian Morahone and Michelle Baez did not make the list. Is that, uh, did they exude their their rookie status or were they just kind of an oversight or uh give me a little bit on that if you could no i think that um they're they're still rookies um you know but i think with Baez, uh i'd have to look but i don't know that we've had a pure reliever on the top 100 Um, okay you know, I, I'd have to go back and look for sure. I don't want to say like we've never had, um, you know, I'm trying to think of an instance where that would even be possibility, you know, where a guy was already a, a reliever and we put him in the top 100. And I don't, I don't think that's happened. Um, so that's, that's partially why, and, you know, I think with Marjone, it's just a, a question of durability and, and seeing if he can stay healthy. Um you know, I guess he could be a guy that if he's not in the big leagues uh, and and gets off to a good start, I, you know, he, I would add him to that list of guys who could end up back on the uh, on the top 100 if he's you know if he's starting. So easy to forget how young I feel like he's been around a while. Uh, yeah. You know, but and that happens with us. You know, you, you get a guy who you feel like, he, especially some of the international signees, if they sign when they're 16, and you feel like. You're talking about them forever, and uh, in his case, I mean, he's going to be what twenty-one for all of uh, all of the twenty twenty season. So, I think if he bounces back, he he could be another guy who could could make that step back up again. He also could end up in the big league, so we'll have to see. You know, we could sit here and talk about how special Mackenzie Gore is and how he's going to be in the big leagues. Where do you think he is at, in comparison to where Paddock was last year? Do you think he's ahead of where Paddock was skill wise? Yes. I mean, that's, you know, I, I like Chris Paddock, um, you know, and obviously went on and, and he's proven to be a, a, a legit big league pitcher. But, I mean, Kenzie Gore has a chance to be, uh, uh, I don't say once in a lifetime, but like an elite level front of the rotation starting pitcher in the big leagues. And I think last year he started to show exactly why we've always liked him so much. It's just the the combination of stuff and feel for that stuff is insane. And, you know, the kid gloves haven't even come off yet, right? He just 
topped 100 innings. Um, I think, you know, if the Padres want to sort of tap the brakes a little bit, they could start him in double A, but he's not going to be there for very long. Um, I just think that he's, he, you know, he, he's going to continue to put it all together and, and force their hand, and, and he will be a part of that Padres rotation at some point this year. Uh, we could talk about him, but, you know, kind of his – Counterpart is Luis Patino. We last time we talked to you, we talked about his electric fastball. How far behind do we think that Luis Patino is in comparison to somebody like McKenzie? You know, I, you know, it's funny on the surface. Like my my gut feels like, oh, he's he's kind of far behind, but he's not really all that far behind. Um, you know, what we saw in the futures game was just stupid. Um, yeah. And granted, it was like a you know a short stint, but my goodness. Um, and I think it showed how much his stuff plays. And he's you know he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's super athletic. I don't think it's going to be a problem. You know, I, I would say he's like he's probably like a half step um, behind Gore. Um, and I might me you know, maybe I'm selling him short, but it you know. Like in my head, Mackenzie Gore spends the entire second half of the season in San Diego, and Patino is a September call-up or uh, you know makes a big splash in 2021. So is the next big step for Patino just showing that he can control those pitches and control that fastball even more than he has so this year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it it's all there, you know. Um, and I think, you know, it's going to be a combination of that game planning and the changeup, you know, and, and the changeup doesn't have to be great. It just has to be usable, uh, especially against upper level, uh, upper level hitters. I think once, once he gets there um, and I, you know, it, you know, the reports are that they think, you know, he's got a good feel for it. He just needs to commit to throwing it. It's the thing that I've been, you know, talking even across teams. Uh, recently is that it's not even just like, oh, does he have a feel for it? It's a, a commitment to throwing it and and maintaining your arm speed so it has that deception and like really believing that you can throw it. And I, I think that's the last piece for him. And, you know, it's not surprising given his age. And, you know, in the lower levels, his fastball slider is plenty good enough to get a lot of hitters out. And there are going to be times when he's in the big leagues when his fastball slider will get him through six, seven innings. But, you know, you're going to have some hitters who will spit on the slider if it's off, you know, out, off the plate. Um, and you're going to need to have that change up to so sort of change their, their rhythm and change. You can't, and change their eye level and all those things. It can't all be hard stuff. And I think that he is already learning that and he's going to continue to learn that this year. When, when he was talking to me, I asked him about his, his slider, and he said he thinks that throwing the curveball might have made him lose a little bit of feel for the slider. It's just insane to me that this guy was a position player less than a couple of years ago. It's insane. It is um, really kind of insane. And, you know, and, that, and that's why I sort of like I, I keep pumping the brakes, you know, just a little bit because of his age and experience level. But, you know, his feel for pitching considering is, like, unbelievable. Now, a lot of that is because of the athleticism, right? So he repeats his delivery. 
know? So he's going to throw strikes, even though he's got this high octane stuff. Uh, this isn't like a, a, a big moose of a man with, you know, tons of moving parts where things get out of whack. He's kind of in sync all the time. And, and, you know, I think that that helps him. And that, you know, the athleticism really helps with, um, you know, in terms of the advancement of that changeup. Yeah, I mean, he's just an impressive young man. It's, it's amazing to see both of these men, uh, Patino and Gora, at the age of 20, already accomplishing so much. And and just on the cusp of Major League action is is, is pretty amazing in itself. Uh, so we have Gore at number five. Uh, Patino made the list at number 27. Uh, number 25 on the list is C.J. Abrams. Very intriguing young hitter who's, you know, he hit 400 last year in the AZL. Give us your impression of Abrams and, and what kind of upside and, and ceiling does this young man have? Yeah, I think we, you know, we needed to temper ourselves ever so slightly just because you don't want to put, what do you have, uh, 140 at-bats, maybe a touch yeah. more, 150 total with that little bit in, in, uh, in Fort, Fort Wayne. Yeah. So, like, you, 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 you force yourself to, to pause for a second. You know, one of the things that we all try to make sure we do is not to put too much stock into a pro debut, good or bad. Same with the Arizona Fall League for different reasons. You know, uh, the, the similar reasons are sample size. That said, um, with a guy like Abrams, who obviously we already really liked, he was one of our high, you know, highest ranked guys on our draft list, and he went number six overall for uh, a reason. Um, when a high schooler hits the ground running like that and earns a promotion late, you, you can't help but take notice, especially in terms of things like his approach at the plate and his plate discipline. Um, you don't often expect to see that right out of the gate, especially, you know, you're a young high school kid. You're in pro ball for the first time. You want to impress. You're away from home maybe for the first time, all those things. But you, you, you may just go out and swing at everything, right? You, you're so excited. And that's why you take everything with that sort of healthy grain of salt. But the fact that he did what he did and he didn't strike out any drew walks, and he's got, you know, when you can hang an 80 on anything, you know, 80 speed doesn't come around very often. Um, it's hard not to get too excited. So I think we could look back and say, boy, we, we probably could have had him higher. You know, that's why we do, you know, some sort of market corrections over the course of the year. If he goes out to Fort Wayne and just picks up where he left off now, for people who listen to your podcast – I am not expecting him to hit 400 forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think he can really hit. I think he's going to continue to grow into some power. Um, you know, and he can really run. And he's, you know, he, he should be able to play short. But you know what? If for whatever reason it wasn't working, second base, center field, you know, all, all that, he, he could be really, really good there. Um, I, I He's going to be a guy that I'm going to be really excited to see what he does over the course of his first full season. Yeah, no, I, it's it's intriguing to see that, you know, he also has a little bit of power that was, yeah. you know, it might have been a slight knock out of coming out of high school, but he showed some gap power and, and the ability to hit over the fence. Uh, in, you know, it is the Arizona League, so you got to take it with a grain of salt, like you say, but it's interesting to see that there might be a little bit of power to him as well to his game, which is, is definitely a bonus in this day and age of the game. Yeah. And you know, the thing is with a guy like him, he's so wiry, you know, and it wasn't like there was concern that, you know, sort of strength can come in, in sort of two forms, you know, well, is he going to have power? 
And is he going to impact the baseball enough? And no one doubted that he was going to impact the baseball, right? Like this wasn't like, oh, he's one of these really thin middle infielders and the bat's going to get knocked out of his hands by high level pitching. No one really worried uh, about that. Um, you know, but I think there is more in there than they think, you know, he has a chance to add more strength to that frame and there could be more, more over the fence power than maybe people thought when, you know, when they were evaluating him in high school. Nice. Nice. You know, it, I, Abrams is obviously producing well at a young age. Uh, another, another player that is, and, you know, catchers typically take longer to develop. Uh, Mr. Luis Camposano is showing a lot and showed a lot last year in the Cal League. Uh, should be in Double A this season. Should have a productive season for the Sod Poodles. Give us your th- your thoughts on that right-handed catcher and, and just the the frame and and the overall production from him. Yeah, I was, um, and I think like the last time maybe I talked to you guys like I was getting over the disappointment of not having been able to see him in the Fall League. Uh, uh-huh. You know, I really wanted to see him swing the. And, and he got sent home and which is fine. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not too mad at the Padres. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, he had a long, a long and healthy year. Um, I mean, you know, anytime a young catcher can pick up over 400 at bats, it's a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously it's not like he caught 110 games, but, uh, I, I, you know, he can really hit again, that approach at the plate. I don't think you see that all that often from, from a player that young. And, and while continuing to work on his craft behind the the plate, I mean, that's one of the things that slows up catchers um, case in point, Tyler Stevenson, I think is the greatest exhibit a for the Reds organization. He was a high school catcher, just like Campusano. It's taken him a long time. He had a slew of injuries. I think Camp, uh, I think Campusano actually is a, is a better hitter you know, than, than Stevenson, but there's so much to learn. It's such a leap from high school to the program as a, at that position, his defense is still behind, but he's got, you know, really strong arm. Um, he does need to continue to work on, uh, on this things like that. I think he can get better in throwing out base runners, but he has, you know, even if he is slightly offensive minded, he's going to stay behind the plate and, uh, and he can really hit. Um, I'm just curious to see, you know, when he gets up to double A, uh, you know, what happens there. But I, nothing in his skill set points to, oh, he only did that because he was in the in the California League, for instance. I, I think he's going to keep on hitting. When we talked about the last time that you were here, that being in double A would allow him to catch higher level arms and, you know, having the ability to be able to catch Luis Patino again, guys like that, that's got to help his development even more. Um, you know, you mentioned Tyler Stevenson, former teammate, very good friend of his, Amarillo Sadpudo outfielder Taylor Trammell. What do we think that we're getting out of Taylor Trammell this year? And what is a ceiling or a floor on him? He's a very polarizing guy, like we talked about last time. I know you have a bias towards him, but, you know, I do. what, what are I we do. getting out of Taylor? <laughs> I have a prospect crush on Taylor Trammell, and, you know, I, I, I think yeah, a lot of times for me it's, um, you know, I base my I base that on guys who can talk, and uh, he can. Oh you know, yeah, and if you mention a friendship, uh, like we had, they were both at the rookie programs together, and we had them on together on the podcast, and uh, it was Jordan Schusterman and I, and we could have just sat back and let them go, 
and uh, and <laughs> gone, gone and gotten a beer and let them fill up uh, you know our entire podcast. But uh, you know he is polarizing because he he has all of the tools, but he doesn't necessarily. He's not like Luis Robert. You know mm-hmm. he has he's like a I don't want to say a poor man's Luis Robert because his actually approach at the plate I think is better. Um, you know, he's, he's a, a very efficient base dealer. Um, he draws walks, you know, all that's good. Um, but you know, he's, you know, he also can get a little pull heavy. I think he was trying to tap into that power, uh, a little too much. I think he needs to get back to what he, uh, what he did in the past. You know, he went from being patient to being maybe too patient uh, at times. He needs to find you know, when he gets a pitch to drive, he needs to take advantage of that and not take those pitches. And I think that was his his biggest issue last year. He's a smart guy and his work ethic is off the charts. I really think he's going to figure it out. Um, you know, whether it's in center field or in left field, some of that may depend on what's going on with the Padres at the big league level, whenever it is that he's deemed ready. I think he'd be, he, to me, he's always been this guy. He's like, he'll be fine in center field and he's gotten better in center field, but he'd move over if there were a better center fielder, you know, like if, uh, if it was the same system, like if he was in the Braves system, he wouldn't play center field. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. So he's, and he's a weird one too, because, you know, you, we see flashes of it. You know, the Texas League playoffs to where he just has the run that he does. And and then you look at the kind of the weeks before and kind of the, the whole season before that to where it just looks like a completely different player. Do we think that being in a different organization, you know, for a full year will help him and, you know, different coaching staff and everything? Oh, sure. I mean, listen, you can get a disappointing 2019. There's no two ways around it, you know, and it was disappointing before the trade. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to get lost. Yeah. There are guys who get traded and they come to a new organization and they're, they're on fire. Like it lights a fire under them, whatever it is. But sometimes also it's a young guy who was with one organization his entire career. He was playing with his best friend, um, in, in, in Tyler Stevenson got pulled off the field in the middle of a game. That's an adjustment. Like he told the whole story on podcast about it, like how he had to scramble to like get all of his stuff home and then make it out to, you know, to the Texas league and, you know, all that stuff. And then he only played 32 games, you know, so it did take him until the playoffs. And I think that is telling, by the way, I think he really enjoys the, those situations. You look at how he performed in the future. Um, now that doesn't necessarily mean that that will carry over once he gets to the big leagues. I do think that he is going to figure it out. Um, and I think, yes, now he's had a you know, chance to like, get to know the organization, get to know his organization mates. Um, and I think he, you're going to see a more consistent Taylor Trammell who it will use proving that he was worth trading for as motivation. And listen, he's going to be 22. For all of, uh, pretty much all of the 2020 season, you know. So it's 
he would have been a junior in college last year. Like sometimes we reminded of that and, and we lose that sometimes because although, you know, these guys are now making it to the big leagues at 19 and 20. Um, but it, it doesn't always, it's not the same path for every single player. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good point that, you know, age is something that you need to factor in the fact that he is still very young and the tools can definitely sharpen. Uh, Jonathan, before we get you out of here, I'd love to get your, uh, your take on a couple of trades the Padres made this winter. Uh, one would be the Tommy Pham, Jake Cronenworth deal. Um, in particular, have you seen much from Cronenworth or have you seen a lot of Cronenworth? No, I have no? not. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, your thoughts on Pham uh, added to this Padre lineup? I know you're a prospect guy, but you know, if you had, yeah, any on- yeah. I mean, I, I will say, I mean, Cronenworth is, 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 is really interesting. Um, you know, and I'm all in on the two way thing in general. Um, I've not, I don't know much about him because not only are the Padres not my team, the Rays aren't my team. So I don't have that frame of reference. Um, but, uh, you know, he's going to be ready to contribute in multiple ways. So I'm curious to see how that works out. No, I, I see watching video of him. It's intriguing to see that he, you know, obviously throws in the '90s, but he has a decent little hook, which might actually play at the major league. I mean, I wouldn't, I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't think he's going to be a high re, high leverage reliever in, in in the future. But if you can throw him out there in, in a in a in a game that's gotten out of hand, I think that he could be definitely serviceable for the team uh, in that regard. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. He's not just oh an arm strength guy who. Um, you know, who will come in and throw gas and that's the only thing he can do. He's got the feel to spin the ball a little bit. And I think that'll help now as for fam, you know, I think what that, what he really does is gives them the ability to not put any pressure on Taylor Trammell um, to get back to that. Uh, okay. Whatever pressure Taylor Trammell is going to put on himself. Uh, okay. I think that, you can pencil fam in and, and listen, he's, you know, uh, a really good player coming off of a, a strong major league se- you know, 2020 season. So I think that it, it gives it's twofold, you know, the Padres are hoping to take that next step forward and, and compete. And it also means that they can just tell Teller Trammell, listen, don't worry about what's going on in the big leagues. We've got the outfield pretty much covered. Um, and if, listen, if, if Teller Trammell is, setting the world on fire and he's in AAA and he's knocking on the door, then you worry about making room for him. But right now he could spend the whole year in double and AAA and then be ready to take over in 2021. Um, you know, fam's only signed for one more year. Um, and they, but they still have control, right? I think for another, yeah, I think it's, yes, I think there's an option for the, he's, the, well, he's arbitration eligible for another year. Um, yes. Um, I'm, I'm starting to wade into waters. I'm not, I, I had to go look that up. I don't, you know, I don't know the contract status of major league guys so well, but you know, I think it's a, you know, so it, it kind of, he's not a placeholder in that he's, you know, a, a, a well above average, you know, in terms of, uh, what kind of offensive production he's going to give. He's an, an above average player who could help the big league team win. It's like a kind of like a high octane, high level placeholder if all yeah. definitely it, it, i think the the locker, the locker room 
stuff is what's going to be interesting for fam dealing with with someone like Tramel and and you know kind of explaining him you know the difficulties that he's gone through to get to where he is and mm. i think something like that will probably hit home for for some of these younger players and help them develop and you know that's i guess what the padres are hoping for when they when they bring in someone I, like yeah like, i know i i think that's a really good point you know that for you know a guy like Tramel who probably feels that he hasn't moved fast enough because he's yeah. been few years to look at a guy like fam who took a really long time for anyone to even give him a chance. And, you know, and fam, yeah, that's a huge chip on his shoulder that motivates yes. him on a, on a daily basis to the point where he can get, you know, he can get a little prickly, but Hey, more power to him. You know, he's proving everybody to everybody that they should have noticed longer ago uh, because he was you know, productive. Now at the same time, it took him, you know, a bit longer to, for it to all click. So that's another lesson that could be learned by by a guy like Tramel for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be interesting season, no matter what for the for the Padres in twenty twenty. Uh, we are certainly excited. Thank you so much for your time, Jonathan. Thank you for reviewing uh, this list with us. It's 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 invaluable to kind of get pick your brain a little bit and kind of hear you know the the stuff that we can't get on paper and stuff. Uh, Jonathan, again, we appreciate your time so much. Uh, thank you again. My pleasure, guys. Always a pleasure. All right, you have a great day, and uh, we will be in touch. Sounds good. All right, folks, thank you so much. Uh, Jonathan Mayo of MLB Pipeline uh, giving us a breakdown on the top uh, five prospects that made the top 100 list. Uh, We will be back shortly after a break. Thank you so much. Welcome back, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We're so lucky to have a television star. Mr. Jim Callis is going to be here uh, (laughs) talking some uh, MLB prospects with us. Uh, what's going on, Jim? How are you doing? Thank you so much for spending some time and, and talking Padre baseball with us. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to. I'm, I'm doing well. The, the top 100 is done now. We're we're kind of all immersed in, in trying to crank out the uh, 30 top 30 list, which will start to appear toward the end of February, and and then spring training's right around the corner after that for us. So uh, you know, a lot going on, but it, it's kind of nice because it means the the start of spring training, and the regular season aren't too far away. Yeah, they're just right around the corner, right? All the, the buses and all the trucks are starting to head towards spring training, towards uh, Peoria and Florida. It's a, it's a good time of the year. Um, before we get started, I, I, you know, the Padres have made a couple of uh, additions here and there. I, I know you're a mo- main prospect type of guy, but uh, I'd love to hear your impression of the uh, trade they did with Milwaukee uh, in gathering Trent Grissom and, and Davies for Urias and Lauer. Uh, yeah. Just, just how, what, what your thought, your thoughts on that. Yeah, on that one, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I can understand why both teams were doing that trade. I actually liked Milwaukee's end of it a little bit more because I, I I trust Urias more than I trust Grisham. I mean, Grisham, yeah, it's funny. Like, you know, by the time the trade went by, down, like if you suggested that trade would have been made a year earlier, you would have said no way. I mean, Grisham was one of the worst players in the Arizona Fall League after the 2018 season. And really hadn't done much in his pro career at that point, um, and then obviously turned it around this year. But I, I like, I like, I think Arias is is the best player in that deal in the long run. And I can understand, you know, that you know maybe there's a little bit more certainty with Davies, but I like Eric Lauer too. So I mean, I don't think it was like a a one sided deal by any means. Um, but I, I, I still do believe in Urias's bat. I think he just got caught up a little bit too much, maybe with the jacked up baseballs and trying to hit for more power. And that's not really his game. I, I still believe in him. And I think, you know, most trades you can kind of look at, 
you know, who's going to be the best player in the trade in the long run. That's usually a team that wins the trade. And I, and I still think Arias is probably the best player in that trade in the long run. Yeah. You know, Grissom is just off his fresh off his prospect status, but if you could give me a little bit more on him, what is it that you think that's going to be his limit? Is it, is the bat, the, there's just overall bat going to be uh, an issue with him moving forward. Well, I don't think it's necessarily an issue. I mean, you know, he had a thousand ops in the minor leagues last year. Um, you know, granted the balls were jacked up in AAA. He, you know, hit fairly well for a rookie. You know, he was only 22 years old in the big leagues. You know, and on a team that was contending. I mean, they went to the playoffs and and really, you know, was very close to eliminating the Nationals before the Nationals playoff run even started. So, you know, if you were to look at his career before this year. Yeah, I think you'd have all kinds of concerns about his bat, but he, he kind of went back to his his high school batting style, which is a little bit orthodox, but it, it worked for him. Um, you know, he controlled the strike zone. He, he made a lot of contact. He hit for a lot more power than he'd ever shown. You know, previously, you know, he had 32 home runs this year, kind of the big leagues after hitting 20. You know, in his first four you know minor league seasons, so I, I think you know from the Padres' perspective, they think that the changes he made are real. And while I do have faith that he's, you know, uh, you know, closer to what we saw in 2019 than what we saw previously, I, I guess I'd like a little more track record. I mean, you guys know from when I've yeah. talked before, I've always been a huge Urias believer. Um, exactly. And it'd be, you know, so anyway, I mean, I understand why they're doing the trade. Um, you know, they, I think this is a trade where the Potters think will make them better in, in 2020. And, and we'll see beyond that. But um, I still do believe in Urias. And, and if you had given my choice, all those players in that deal, I, I would take Urias over all of them. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I definitely, I love hearing that you said you were an Eric Lauer guy, because I am too. And I'm kind of, kind of, you know, I think he's thrown to the side on this. And he's still very young. There's, there's a lot of polish that needs to be done, but there's upside with him as well. He's not going to be a top of the rotation guy, but there's innings and stuff that he can bring to a team. So, you know, only time will tell in that deal. Um, if I could get your quick impression on the fam deal, I know Cronenworth has a unique ability, which is, could be interesting and could be useful to the Padres with the 26 man roster. Yeah. And I think even without the 26 man, he'd be useful too. I mean, I think he's a, he's a legit, you know, he's probably more of a utility guy to me than everyday shortstop. Although <laughs> with, with Fernando Tatis, I don't know if you really need an everyday shortstop. Um, yeah, uh, really. Obviously, you know, unless you guys trade for, you know, you trade for Lindor and, and then even less, but um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like, who, I, I, I've, I, don't, I don't have the roster for him. I don't know what you guys have at second, but I mean, he could get some playing time at second. He could play all over and he could pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liked him more as a pitcher than a hitter coming out of, out of Michigan, and he, you know, the Rays made him a, a position player initially before letting him do both ways. But he's useful. You know, Fam, you know, is a fairly productive hitter. I mean, I think that trade was, you know, very specifically to, you know, upgrade this year's team. I, I like Xavier Edwards, and while I don't think having prospect depth makes just because you have prospect depth at positions it doesn't make those players less valuable so i'm not saying oh you know they have you know cj abrams and they have tatis so you don't need you, you don't need um yeah edwards but at the same time i mean edwards is interesting i like him he's a top 100 prospect he can really hit he can really run i, I still think there's, there's there's a little bit of a question you know, how much impact is in that bat? Is there going to be much power in that bat? Is it going to be an extreme hit over power? Um, and maybe that, you know, eats into his value a little bit. I, I do like Xavier Edwards, but it's not, 
you know, I think you'd feel better. You know, like, I, I think that trade would be more regrettable if you felt like, you know, Xavier Edwards was a 15 to 20 home run guy, then you'd be like, wow, that guy could be really special. And I think he's more, you know, a good, you know, he's kind of along the lines of, of Nick Madrigal with the White Sox, who's a guy who I kind of I still, you know, try to figure out exactly what I think he is. Yeah. I and mean, he's a really gifted hitter and he can run and he can really play defense. Um, I think that one of the comps that I've seen on Edwards that I rich, really liked was the Chone Figgins comp. I thought that that was a decent comp for him. I mean, that I was, that was a, a better hitter than Figgins. Um, okay, but okay. yeah, but it's the only way like that, that trade, like I said, was, was a little bit, you know, it, it was interesting because, you know, if, Edwards is one of the better prospects we've seen traded this offseason, but I yeah. could see what the Padres were doing. And when I say, I mean, like by anybody, not just them. I mean, I still kind of like Hunter Renfro a little bit. Um, yeah, I'll be curious to see who the player to be named is. I mean, I'll be honest. Right, that hasn't surfaced yet. That's right. Um, I probably I this was I mean, this this was all about fam. I mean, I think that's what this was about. I mean, the, he he brings that aura of uh, locker room presence, and I think that that's probably what the Padres were were going after the the most. I mean, and and the on base percentage, quite frankly, I mean, yeah, he gets on base. But the thing is, you know, Fam is 32. You know, he'll be 32 yeah. this year. So he, he's yes. not super young. I, yeah. I agree. I, I like, like, again, I could see, I mean, I guess in both those trades, I, I guess I would look at them kind of similarly. I could see what the Padres were doing with both of them. I think they probably make the Padres a better team in 2020. Um, long term, I probably would rather have what they gave up. But I, I don't think they're one-sided. And just, again, I mean, you know, if you're the Padres, you know, you're, you're trying to contend this year. I, I could see why you'd make those trades. So it, they're, they're both very interesting. Like I said, you could probably tell. I mean, I sit here and struggle to to really like they're not definitive. Um, you know, like, oh, man, like like like, for instance, <laughs> if I, I, I don't know about you guys, like I, I read all this stuff that like, oh, you know, Mookie bets for Will Myers and Josh Naylor and Joey Lucchese. And Luis Camposano, and I'm thinking, yeah. why would the Red Sox do that? Like, if like if that trade were made, and you asked me, I'd be definitively, man, that's a great trade for the Padres and awful for the Red Sox. Both of these trades, I would give a, if I had to pick, like I said, it's very close, I might take the other side of those deals. But if you throw in, hey, you're trying to win this year, then I, then I, I mean, they're both very justifiable deals. I think both trades kind of helped the Padres win in 2020 and more importantly and I've been waiting all day to be able to talk about this but Mackenzie Gore is going to help the Padres win in 2020 this year you know between you and I I know that we can gush about Gore for days but I want to talk about Gore's ceiling more than anything because I feel like when I look at the rest of the top you know pitching prospects you know when I see Mize when I see Whitley I feel like Gore's ceiling is so much higher and his floor is is there that much separation between him and the rest of the pitchers? Um, I wouldn't say that necessarily. I mean, Willie, I'd kind of put like, like to me, the top three pitchers are Gore, Mize and Pearson. And then I think you have guys, you know, I, I think if Luzardo didn't have the health track record, I'd put Luzardo in that tier too. too. But he, you know, he, he had Tommy John before he missed a lot of last year. So there's a little bit of a nagging thing. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to break down, but like, so I, I would put him you know, kind of like slightly right below that tier. And then I think guys like Brennan McKay and Whitley and, and Kopech who's come back from an injury and are, are kind of on the next tier, you know, and guys like Sixto Sanchez and Dustin May and, and those types. So, um, you know, it's interesting if you compare Gore to Mize and Pearson, like I said, those to me are the top three guys. I, I think, you know, Pearson and Mize both have 
an individual pitch that's better than anything McKenzie has. You know, Pearson has one of the best fastballs in the minor leagues. He's been up to 104 miles an hour. It's insane. You know, Mize, Mize's splitter, you know, I've had some scouts tell me might he might command the splitter better than anybody they've ever seen. Um, and with McKenzie, I, I don't know if he's really got that wipeout pitch, but, but what McKenzie has is – He's got, I, I think in my mind, four plus pitches, you know, pretty consistent plus pitches. I mean, maybe not all on the same day, but I mean, I think you can, we could sit here and have a long discussion as to which is his best pitch. And, and you could kind of come up with four different answers depending on when you see him. And I think his control is right there too. And he's left-handed. So I, I do think he has a very high ceiling. Um, I, I would argue maybe that Mize's ceiling and Pearson's ceiling might be a little higher than McKenzie's. And I'd say that McKenzie's floor is higher than those two guys. Now, all that said, you know, if, if Gore has the lowest ceiling of three, it's still a huge ceiling. And if Nate Pearson has the lowest floor of those three guys, it's still pretty high floor. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's exciting. I mean, I, I'm with you. I think we'll see him this year. It, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, we see a Chris Paddock situation. Um, like we did last year where the guy's so good in spring training, you're kind of scratching your head and saying maybe he should make the maybe he should make the team out of spring training. But um I think we'll see him pretty quickly. I know I know Padre fans won't appreciate it, but I would really appreciate if he made a couple of starts in Amarillo just so I could get one a last couple of looks at him before, you know, he makes that big league debut. You know, is it just the combination of the athleticism and the four plus pitches? I mean, he's also got that mindset. What is if you could pick one thing about him, what stands out the most? Well, I think from from visually, I think it's the leg kick. You know, if you watch him, I mean, that's a pretty unique leg kick, and the fact that he has a leg kick like that, and yet and yet he has the control command that he does. You know, it seems like you know he just has very good body control. Um, with that leg kick, I, I mean, I think, but I think you're know, looking at the whole package. The thing that stands out to me is more. Um, I, I think it's a lack of a weakness. Like, you know, there, there, I mean, he, there's a lot of things he is going for. Him. Like I said, I don't know if you'd put any 70s on him necessarily for anything on the 2080 scouting scale, but it's a lot of 60s. But like, I, I really don't know what a weakness. Like, like if you were to come up with what is Mackenzie Gore's biggest weakness, it's hard. I don't. I don't know what I would tell you. It's like I said, I mean, he can show you four plus pitches at times, you know, maybe not all at the same time. Um, I mean, he's, you know, achieved at a very high level at a very young age. You know, he was, he was 20 all of last year and outside of kind of, I think one rough start when he first got to Amarillo, you know, it was pretty untouchable all year. Um, you know, he throws a ton of strikes and it's not just strikes, it's quality strikes. I mean, he commands everything really well. Um, it's, you know, I mean, yeah, if he you know if he finished just shy of uh, a few feeling shy of officially qualifying, but if he had, he would have led the minors in ERA. He would have led it, the minors in WHIP. He would have been second in opponent average. Um, yeah, I mean it, it was you know his numbers are pretty crazy. So um, yeah, yeah, you know like I said, I guess the thing that jumps out to me the most is that there's there's just no obvious weakness. I I, I really would scratch my head. I mean. I mean, I, I guess the only thing you say is like, oh, you know, he could use a few more innings in the minor leagues. But um, I, I don't even know if that's really the case. I mean, I honestly think if you put him in the big leagues, I'm not saying he would dominate, but I think he'd, I think he'd be fine. Yeah, he, he's going to be a treat to see for the national fans, the, the fans of, of baseball in general. I don't think a lot of people really understand the, the type of uh, abilities that he has and just, you know, the type of electricity that he brings with him. Um, speaking of energy, let's talk about his uh, – 
his cohort, his his partner in crime, if you will, who made uh, number 27 on you guys' list, and that's Luis Patino. Uh, you know, in the 2019 Futures game, he he really established himself, really impressed a lot of uh, a lot of you national guys. Give, give me some thoughts on the young Colombian and what kind of arm he has for for a 20 year old. Yeah, I mean, I think. In terms of pure stuff, you know, he can maybe blow you away a little bit more than Gore. Although, I mean, Gore's stuff is plenty good. I think Gore's, you know, more polished. I, I don't think that's a big shot. I mean, I think the thing that amazes me the most about Patino is, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, didn't have a lot of pitching experience and wasn't real physical when they signed him. And at 20, I mean, he, he got up to double A, was just for a couple starts in the year, but looked really sharp. Um, you know, he was, I mean, he, I thought he was. You know, I mean, Sam Huff had the most dramatic moment in the Futures game when he hit the two-run homer to tie it in the top of the seventh. But I really thought that the most captivating performer, if you will, was Patino. Just, I loved his swagger. I mean, my favorite moment of the game was probably when he struck out Joe Adele and he started to kind of swagger off the mound before Adele had even finished swinging and missing. I think it was at a fastball up in the zone. Um, and just the moxie with him. And I, and I love... You know, the relationship between he and Gore, I mean, they're good friends. They help each other. You know, they, you know, Patino's, Gore helps Patino with his English. Patino helps Gore with his Spanish. They, they, they talk to each other about their, their pitches. Um, and, you know, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I think, you know, realistically, you know, Gore probably shows up there sometime in, you know, uh, you know, maybe they'll delay him a little bit. You know, let's say June. Let's say they give him some more time in the minors. And Patino might be more September or early uh you know 2021 but yeah it's i i just i I talked about those guys kind of simultaneously last year in spring training in peoria and it was a lot of fun and those guys are fun to watch they are they're they're fun to to see interact with each other too because they play off each other really well and you know polar opposites and it's 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 a it's a great uh thing that they have hopefully for padre fans you're able to see those 20 20 year olds grow together for a long time because it's amazing that they're only 20 years old. I mean, these guys would be what sophomores, juniors in, in college at this point. It's uh, pretty impressive for for the Padres. Yeah, they'd be uh, juniors. I guess they would both be draft eligible this year as juniors. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Let, let's talk about another prospect who's along the same lines of pedigree as far as uh, worth and stuff. Uh, C.J. Abrams, 19 years old, uh, rated as a 25th uh, prospect by uh, MLB. You know, he really tore it up in Arizona. I don't think anyone expects for him to hit 400 for his whole career everywhere he goes. But what are you seeing that's impressing you about his swing and just his general baseball IQ, if you will? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, I mean, he's, you know, we did a best tools list for our top 100, and he's the fastest player on that list. Um, and I think that overshadowed how good the rest of his game was because he, he really was one of the better pure hitters in the high school ranks last year. I mean, Riley Green was probably the best. The, the, the outfielder went right ahead of him to Tigers at five. Um, but I think, you know, like the, the rest of CJ's game got overlooked because the speed, you know, the, the game-changing speed was what catches your eye first. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a big power guy, but he is a 15 to 20 home run guy. Like, you're not worrying – like with Xavier Edwards, it may be worry strong, but with Xavier Edwards, you're wondering, okay, how much impact is he really going to have? CJ is going to have impact. I mean, I, I think he's at least a 15 home run guy. Um, you know, and, and, you know, you know, again, comparing him to Xavier, you know, Xavier, you're probably more of a second baseman than a shortstop. You know, CJ, I don't think he's a, a gold glove winner, but there's no reason he can't stay at shortstop. He's got the tools to do that too. 
Um, so, I mean, it, it's like I said, I, you know, the speed, it's really easy to see the speed, but, but the Ray, he, you know, he doesn't really have many holes in his game either. I mean, the, I think the debut was, was, you know, you know, maybe caught people off guard that it was that dynamic. Cause like you said, you, even though it's Arizona league, I mean, you don't expect anybody to hit 400, um, yeah. you know, sp- you know, 18 year old making his pro debut. Um, and I'll be, you know, he, he's one of those guys I'm really interested to see how he follows up on that. Um, because I mean, if he comes out and, and, and say, you know, hits, you know, uh, you're 325 in the Midwest League, which is a, a notoriously tough place to hit. You know, and then I think all of a sudden we're talking about C.J. Abrams is, you know, probably one of the top five or ten prospects in the game. Yeah, yeah. You know, you go from somebody who showed so much promise in 2019 to somebody who, you know, really struggled for a while, and that's Taylor Trammell sitting at 57. Uh, you know, what do you need to see from Taylor? This is a guy that we saw flashes from, you know, towards the end of the season, but really struggled in 2019. What are you looking for from Taylor Trammell, very polarizing prospect? Yeah, he's tough because, I mean, he's tooled up. Um, you know, if, if you ever talk to him, he's great personality. Amazing. Can't help, help but root, can't help but root for him. Um, I mean, he just, you know, great makeup, great makeup. But, you know, and I'll, I'll be honest, I mean, you know, when we do the top 100, it's a collaboration between me and Jonathan Mayo and, and Mike Rosenbaum. And then we get feedback from the industry, too. But I honestly, I, I was the low man on Taylor Trammell and our staff. And, and I had him even, if it were just my personal list, I'd probably have him about, you know, 15 spots lower. And it's tough because he's a plus runner. But, you know, there are some questions. He's not the greatest center fielder in the world. And it's like, is he really a true center fielder? And he's got, you know, solid to plus raw power. But he's never had a real big power year in the minors. And, you know, I mean, last year was, was clearly the roughest year of his career. You know, he's got hitting ability, but he hit 234 in double A. Um, you know, so it's, you know, and even, you know, when he was regarded higher and we had him ranked, I think he was in the teens or the early 20s, probably a year ago at this time. You know, even when he was there, you know, he, he's never had, you know, he's had solid years, but he's never had that monster year where you're like, oh, you know, 320 with 25 homers and 40 steals. He's, he's a good player, but I mean, a very good player, you know, very good upside, but like, I, I really need to see some of that upside, especially after last year, some of that upside turn into, turn into production. I mean, he's not to compare him to another, you know, up the middle guy who was tooled up, who the Potters traded this offseason. I mean, I'm not saying he's Buddy Reed, where as much, you know, Buddy's a great personality too, but like outside of, of high class A, Buddy never really hit anywhere. You know, like, so it's not like there aren't those kind of questions about the bat. But to me, if, 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 if Taylor doesn't come out and have a, a big year this year, then you start to think, you know what, maybe he's more of just kind of a, a, a regular than a, than a star. That's that's definitely fair enough. I mean, it's it's tough. I, I I mean, we see the upside, but I think your assessment is right on. It's interesting that you were definitely the low man on on, on uh, his rankings. Uh, let's talk about Luis Camposano, twenty one year old catcher, uh, ranked number fifty by you guys. Uh, you know, traditionally it takes catchers a while to kind of get things going offensively and and defensively for that matter. He's really blossomed at an early age. Uh, what is it that you see and what is it that you like about uh, the young right-handed hitter? Yeah, and I think you kind of touched on something there. I mean, especially catchers drafted out of high school, you know, th- yeah. there's so much going on because, I mean, no matter – and, and, and Luis was not an advanced defensive player coming out of the draft. I mean, there wasn't like a question he was going to step on the plate, but it was like, look, you know, he's going to have some work to do. And and honestly, when you get into pro ball, that, that's eating up a lot of your time. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're handling – 
you know, maybe you've been on the showcase circuit, but you're not handling the quality of pitching as a catcher that you're handling on a daily basis. So that's a big adjustment. And, you know, and then you're trying to learn how to hit against much better pitching than you've ever faced. And there's a lot going on. So I think it was just a matter with Luis of, of getting more comfortable in a second professional season. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, really nice year. The co-MVP in the Cal League won a batting title. I mean, I think this is a guy who can hit for average and power. You know, makes a lot of hard contact. You know, I, I'd say the arm, the strong arm is, is, is stands out more than the receiving at this point. But, you know, I mean, I, I think this is a definite catcher. So, I mean, he, he's very quickly, you know, made himself, you know, one of the better catching prospects in the minor leagues. He, you know, he's a different, you know, the last potter, I guess we, we said that about was, was, you know, Austin Hedges. And he's a different, you know, type of guy. I mean, Austin was always that advanced defensive guy. And you wondered some, okay, how much is he really going to hit? And Luis, I think you feel pretty, pretty confident he's going to hit and probably more of an average guy behind the plate. So is there anybody on your particular list that isn't on this top 100? Or is there a Padres player that you think came really close to making the cut for the top 100? Um, well, on my personal list, and again, I mean, it, it's fine. We all have different, you know, tastes as to who we want on there. I, I actually did have Gabriel Arias on there at 97 um, on, on okay. my list. And he didn't miss by too much. I mean, I'd say if we kept the list going, um, he probably would fit – I don't know, like maybe in the 110 to 120 range based on how we all kind of looked at him. But no, I mean, you know, gifted defender, great arm. There's some power potential in there. Um, you know, he's young. And so, I mean, I I was kind of aggressive with some of the super young guys. Um, so I, I can see why, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not, when I say this, I'm not complaining like, geez, I can't believe I left him off. I mean, I could see yeah. where, you know, Jonathan and, and you know, Mike, well, we, we vote, we go 125 deep in our first vote. And then we kind of mash the guys together. And and I had him at 97, and Mike Rosenbaum had him in that like 101 to 125 range, and then Jonathan did not have him in his top 125, and I, I could kind of see all three opinions. So he he didn't miss yeah. by much, and I think if he comes out and, and gets off to a good start, then you know he's a guy who who can make the top 100, you know certainly by midseason. He should have a blast Definitely. in that ballpark next year. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he should. It's it's interesting that you guys list and how it's formulated and how can you know, how it's ever changing during the season. Um, just curious if Adrian Morhone and Michelle Baez got any love. Uh, I know that Baez had uh, issues now that he's become a reliever, and Morhone showed durability issues as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's I think it's tough to put guys with with say strong reliever question on the top one hundred just because. Relievers are valuable, but like, you know, I think you're, you're hoping for better than that in the top 100. I actually, you know, Morhone's kind of a tough guy to figure out too. Is he a starter? Is he a reliever? How durable is he? You know, what exactly is he? And I, um, to me, I, I actually voted him at the end of my 125 list. Um, okay. but like, I, you know, he's, he's kind of like Tremel to me in a way. I mean, different sort of thing, but like, I really kind of want to see what happens with him this year. Cause yeah. I, I, I'm all over the place as to like, is it, you know, what he, what he's going to be. I, I, I just don't have a great feel for that. And, and Baez, I think because of the reliever thing too, none, none of us voted for him. I mean, again, you know, very good arm. I, I think he'd be very useful, big leaguer, but if he's a reliever, like, I think we, I, I think every pitcher, you know, I know, uh, you know, for the, um, for the Twins, Bruce Dark Greaterall is probably going to open the season the bullpen for him because they're a contender and they're they're you know that that's what he, the role he best fits. I do think we feel like he could start like and, and I do feel like we think 
everybody on this top 100 list is a starter, you know, if given that opportunity. Yeah, it's 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 I mean, this is why we love baseball, right? It's you can debate about it uh, forever and nobody's right. I mean, that's just that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, um, exactly. Jim, before we get you out of here, uh, we had mentioned the, the Mookie Betts rumors earlier. I know we, we kind of uh, been talking about Austin. And I kind of been talking about him. Uh, what do you think would be a fair package for the Padres uh, to offer the Red Sox for Betts? I would assume that Myers would be in there too at, at some point, which kind of uh, kind of messes things up a little. So yeah, so, so we're assuming that Will Myers is in the deal to to offset some money somehow. Yeah, I would I would assume that that would be beneficial for the Padres, and that would be why they would throw prospects for a one year rental. But yeah, see, I, like, I, that, that whole thing confuses me because to me, I know it's a one year rental, but it's Mookie Betts. I mean, you're talking yes. about one of the top. Okay, let's say five players in the game, you know, and so even if he's a rental, like, 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 well, I'll put it this way: one, I don't understand from Boston's perspective. I don't understand all these teams that act like they have to get under the luxury tax. I know the Red Sox have paid <laughs> the penalty. I, I don't understand, like, and I didn't grow up here, so I didn't. I'm not a Cubs fan, but I, I'm here in Chicago. Like, I don't understand why the Cubs are acting like you know they can't possibly go over two 108 million. They might have to trade Chris Bryant. Um, yeah. But from the Red Sox standpoint, I just don't get it. If, you're, if it were me, and granted, you know, it's not – I don't have to pay the money, although I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think the Red Sox are probably making money this year anyway, even if they have to pay luxury tax. If you have a chance, you know, to, to possibly win a World Series, why wouldn't you at least go in the season, see, you know, where you are, you know, at the trade deadline with bets. And at that point, you know, like if you had an offer that blew you away right now, like, and I know this isn't our – let's say the Padres came to you and said, you know what, we'll give you Gore – and Abrams and Camposano, like, okay, like we'll, we'll you know, like we'll, we'll, you know, may not be able to resign him. That's going to be better than what we're going to get in draft pick compensation. That's going to be better than what we're probably going to trade. Yeah, you do that. And I know the Padres aren't going to offer that, but like, unless you have an offer that blows you away, I don't understand. There, there's still going to be value for him at the trade deadline. And you can evaluate at that point, Hey, is what we're getting better than a first round pick? And, and that's why I don't, I don't even understand this. Will Myers component. Yeah. I know Mookie Betts is going to make $27 million. Well, it's like, you know what, if, if you want to trade for him, if I'm the Red Sox, if, if I'm kind bloom and I'm the, I'm the GM, if somebody wants Mookie Betts and they're like, well, you know, it's a lot of money. You got to offset. I'm like, no, no, we're not offsetting anything. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, like, he, like if Mookie Betts cost $27 million based on his track record, you know, that's probably, he's probably going to give you like 40 million or more in surplus value over his salary. Exactly. So I'm not exactly. taking on salary to make him fit on your team because you're going to yeah. come out ahead. But so anyway, yeah. and, that, and that's why like, so even from the start, if you're making me take Will Myers and pay part of his salary, I mean, uh, why? Yeah, yeah, like, like I mean, like, like to me, that's negative. Like, I, I, why am I having to take Will Myers to get prospect value for Mookie Betts? So I, I just, I'm, I'm kind of perplexed by that. Um, uh, you know, that that part makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't. It, you know, but Sox all the rumors seem to indicate that. I know. That's what Sox they're talking. Mitch Moreland, and they have Bobby yeah. Dahlbeck. They already could do a platoon at first base. So like, I don't even know what you're gonna do with Will Myers. But so anyway, so like to me. And that's why, like, none of these trades make sense to me. If you're giving me Will Myers in the deal, then you're giving me better prospects in the deal. So, uh, yeah, that's, I, I don't know. Like, none of this would, makes sense. Like, I'll be honest. The, the trade that you hear talk, like, talk about, like, like, oh, it's going to be, you know, what, Manny Margot or Josh Naylor. It's like, yeah. like what? Like, Margot's <laughs> almost arbitration eligible. You know, Naylor, 
I, Naylor to me is, you know, is kind of like a DH really more than anything. And like, you know, it's that mitigates his value. And then, you know, look, I like Joey Lucchese and Cal Quantrill, but like you're, you're talking about guys who are more toward the back of a rotation than the front. So like, I mean, this is almost like, honestly, if you were in a fantasy league and somebody's trading, like, like the <laughs> guy with a bad contract and a couple of, you know, complimentary spare parts and, Oh, I'll throw in a minor leaguer for Mookie bets. Everybody in your league would be like, no, you can't let that trade. Yeah. Go through. <laughs> Vito. Vito. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm, I'm totally perplexed. So to, but to get back to your question, well, let's just, if I was trying to constitute fair value, so I'm not like so. If I'm the Red Sox and I want what I deem fair value from the Padres, one, we're not. Will Myers is not going to be in the deal, so we're we're taking him out. <laughs> there and, you go. And like I do understand. Okay, if I'm the Padres, let's say the Padres are saying Gore, Patino, and Abrams are off limits. You can't have them. I would probably want. I mean, Camposano would have to be in the deal. Yeah. You know it and. It's tough because, like, I like Trammell, but like I was talking about, like, I don't think Trammell's a sure thing. Um, so, I, don't, I mean, to me, I, I guess. And I mean, I, it's, it's going to take the at least two of those top 50 guys, or top 100 guys, and then. To me, know, I, I, I guess for me, parts, right? Camposano, Trammell, like, Morhone and Arias. Like, if you're not giving yeah. me, if you're not giving me one of the top, but I'm giving you Mookie bets, even if it's yeah. you're telling me that all your top guys if all you guys are untouchable, that's what I would want. And, and you know, and maybe you can back me off of, of one of those guys. And, you know, maybe I'm not, I don't get Arius and I get, you know, I don't know, to Capito Marcano, you know, like, you know, we can, we can yeah. you know, quibble yeah. on some of those guys, but like, if you're not giving me Gore, Patino or Abrams, then you better be giving me some pretty good players. Um, yeah. well, you know, like then I, then, you know, cause and like, again, I mean, I, I know it's a one-year rental, but that's like acting like there's no value in like, like Mookie Betts is damaged. And again, I just don't get it. If I'm Boston, uh, I I'd hold on to Mookie Betts unless it was an offer that blew me away. And like, if you're starting, if we're starting off with this notion that I have to take Will Myers and pay part of his <laughs> contract, um, to get, <laughs> you know, not your best prospects in the deal. Like I, I, am baffled, but I mean, to be honest, I mean, that's almost, it almost, there's been so much reporting and a lot of it's, I guess, come from the San Diego end of the end of things in terms of who the writers are. So maybe it's like wishful thinking from Padre sources, but like, it seems to me, like if you're going to do this kind of deal where you're taking a team's best prospects off limits, like it'd be easier, easier to make a trade with the Dodgers. Like maybe the Dodgers aren't going to give me Gavin Lux or Dustin May, but Maybe I get Peter Downs and Josiah Gray and Caber Ruiz, or yeah. you know, maybe you know, you, you downgrade one of those guys. And I get a Tony Gonsolin or a Mitchell White or or whoever. But like, yeah, they're not giving me, you know, yeah. Will Myers in the deal, and then saying, oh, we're gonna give you, you know, uh, you know, guys who are like. Like, I, I liked Manny Margot as a prospect, but like he's almost arbitration eligible. At this yeah, point. He's yeah. just, like, what am I going to do with him? Like, oh, now I'm going to trade Jackie Bradley. And he's basically Jackie Bradley. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I, it would make more sense to me. Like, if I'm going to do that, then maybe I get Jock Peterson, um, you know, from the Dodgers or, or Alex Verdugo, yeah. you know, like, and, you know, I mean, maybe I get, 
you know, I, I don't know, you know, you know, Ross Stripling, you know, I, I'm just making up names as I go along here. But like, I just like none of none of the aspects of that trade. The only aspect of that trade that made sense to me was that Luis Camposano would be in the trade. But like any trade where Luis Camposano is like far and away, like the most attractive asset in the deal. Like, no, because like, again, if I'm the Red Sox. Unless they have to be under the luxury tax, no matter what, like 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 John Henry's is is telling Kind Balloon we have to be under the luxury tax, then maybe. But like if that's if that's the best offer they can get, well then why don't I wait till the All Star break and see who's contending, and then it's easier to get Mookie Betts' salary at that point because it's you know probably twelve or thirteen million remaining on his contract for for that part of the season. Why don't I do that? Um, yeah. yeah, the other thing to do if you trade for him now. The Potters get like a, a compensation pick for. Yeah, they'll get a compensation pick. Like, yeah. like it, no, like I like no, like to me, if, if my option is 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 that potpourri of players, or I can get a compensation pick, I'll take the compensation pick. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it, this is comp- it's a complicated scenario, and if the Padres have it in 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 their on their table to to get rid of Will Myers and not have to move Gore. Abrams or Patino, then this deal should have been done yesterday. But I, I don't know. This is just speculation. Nobody really knows what's on the table and what's been offered. Um, it's just interesting to get your thoughts. And, and, and this was just fantastic. It's, it was just uh, gold to listen t- to you talk about this. Uh, these rumors that are going around. I, like I said, it's, they don't even seem close to me. Like like my analogy was yeah. again, if I were in a fantasy league and somebody made a trade like that, I'd be like, I, I think you'd have the whole league. Saying we've got to veto this trade, like yeah, this collusion can happen. Yeah, like what are you paying him under the table, or like how drunk were you would like you guys came up with that trade? Um, yeah, I think yeah. people really undervalue Mookie Betts as a player, and and like you say, even though he's going to be paid twenty seven million dollars, he's going to put up forty million dollars worth of production. So his contract and what's due is not is not going to be an issue, or shouldn't be an issue for anybody. Um, well, and here's the flip side too. Like, what if the the Potter? Let's say the Potter is pull off that trade well then like if they don't contend let's say they're spinning their wheels and it's like you know what it's not gonna be till 2021 then they could trade him for a better package than that at the trade deadline yeah, so, yeah. like i'm yeah. like if that if that trade and again that's why i think and all the reporting seems to be coming out of san diego or most of it like this almost seems like it's wishful thinking um but like if that trade if that trade is on the table for the padres then they should do it immediately like or anything yeah. close to that like if you, yeah. if you yeah. get that trade where you're dumping you know, half, half of Will Myers' contract, and like I guess there was what haggling over, like oh the Padres only want to pick up a million was, yeah, the, like like yeah, fine, some, like, eat the whole thing. Like I mean I'd eat Will Myers' whole contract to do that. It, do that. Seriously, seriously, seriously. At this point, to land a superstar like that, that's the mentality that's going to take. But you know this is all speculation. Prob- nothing will probably be done, and this will just be a, a footnote in history, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, like again, and I'm not, you know, talking to all the principals, but just from watching this from afar, if that's if that's the type of proposals the Padres are putting together, it feels more likely to me that he would wind up with the Dodgers because I think the Dodgers could easily top that and make a more attractive offer. Yeah, no, I hear you. I definitely hear you because that that Myers contract is definitely burdensome for sure. Uh, thank you so much, Jim, for your time. We we really appreciate it, and uh, we definitely appreciate the the ramblings that we got to go on on uh, the trade aspects of the team and and, and such. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. Like I said, it's, I feel like I say this every time, but I, I do feel like, you know, contention and, you know, some success are, are right around the corner for the Padres. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I said this, you know, last year, but, uh, you know, you know, you look at the teams that have the best farm systems and a lot of times those teams contend sooner than expected. And the Padres kind of did a little bit last year in the first half of the season. But I mean, for a team that only won 70 games last year, I do think there's talent on hand. They've made deals to improve the team for 2020. I, I really do feel like a wild card. Like, like I don't, I don't think a wild card is out of the possibility at all. Like, I, I think that's a very realistic goal, you know, for the Padres. I mean, they, they probably need to keep adding a couple more pieces to the team and have some things go their way. But there's so much young talent on that team that that I, I think the future is very, very bright. Yeah, no, no, there's no doubt at all. I mean, look, all, all five of these men that are listed on your list uh, are all 22 years of age or younger. I mean, the, the future for this team is definitely bright. So they've constructed it to be uh, have longevity, and it's uh, it's an exciting time to be a Padre fan because we're just starting to get into the cusp of them being competitive, and uh, it's 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 fun. It's been long overdue. No, definitely. Uh, thank you again, Jim. We've uh, taken so much of your time. We appreciate it. You've always been kind of the show. Thank you so much. Uh, my best to the family, and uh, we will talk again shortly. Yeah, no, I, I, I always enjoy talking to you guys. It's always fun talk, and it, it's fun talking Padres prospects because there's so many of them. And uh, yeah, take care, is. and we'll do we'll do this again soon. All right, thank you so much, Joe. Okay, take care, guys. All right, all right, folks, we'll be right back after this short break. After talking to two of the biggest personalities on MLB Network today about the biggest Padre prospects. What was the biggest takeaway for you, James? You know, what was your favorite part of pretty much each individual interview? Hmm, that's tough to say. I'm still, still. That callous rant, though. Yeah, I'm still going. I'm still just gushing over the callous rant at the end about uh, bets. I mean, that was just fantastic. Uh, you know, the assessment of Gore was spot on uh, from Jim, who is, you know, typically uh, he has a man crush on, on Mackenzie Gore, Absolutely. but I thought it was pretty realistic for him to compare him to those other pitchers and not kind of just say that he was blown out of the, out of the water with with uh his upside uh, i love the fact that he says that he has a high the highest floor of uh, of all the young pitchers so we're definitely looking for big things from from mr gore for sure uh you know tremel is is just he's just tough to gauge got a couple uh, of know, man crushes right you get to see polar opposite kind of opinions on some of the exactly. prospects here you know, it'd exactly. be it'd be really yeah, cool to see mean, their opinions on a guy like you know whether it's I mean I guess Owen Miller's too boring to for somebody to hate, but you know mm-hmm. I mean when Buddy was here that would have been a good guy to kind of gauge you know a, a couple of people on because I know he's pretty polarizing, but it, the the range of opinion on Taylor Trammell is absolutely just fascinating to me. Just it, yes. he's it's it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yes, it is. I mean, it's just that he's been so up and down, and I think the personality plays so highly in everyone's evaluation. Yeah. Because if you've interacted with him, you're automatically going to be on his side. You're automatically going to say, you know, this kid knows what he he's talking it, about. He's going to figure it out. Yeah, he's going to figure it out. And, and and he's still 22, so it's tough to say, you know, this is a 25-year-old prospect who just hasn't panned out. I mean, this is 22-year-old who will probably be in the major leagues, you know, at, at – in the next coming next year or so. And, and that's, that's quite an accomplishment in itself. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, even Callis who said that he was a little down on Trammell said that, you know, Tools. he has the, the floor of a, of a major league everyday player. So 
we're not, you know, that's still a valuable player, someone who can go out there every day and, and play the field and, and do so productively. So we'll we'll just have to wait and see. It's still very young to make any any snap judgments on him. And I think my favorite part of the Mayo interview is still the Campusano assessment, you know. He, between the two of them, they really broke it down for us. For a guy that a lot of people don't get to see a lot just because of where he is in the system, uh, a guy that I'll get to see a lot of next year. Uh, I'm glad that Gabriel Arias got a mention in Callis' interview, uh, another guy that I'll get yeah. to see next year, uh, a guy that was apparently close and was actually on Jim's list. Um, yeah, he had a 97th. That's just pretty pretty impressive and pretty cool to kind of hear that uh, inside information from Jim about where they rank some of these guys. It's cool to see the process too. You know, it's it's not like making food. You know, you kind of want to know how they do it instead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And their uh, their top for each team uh, is in the process of being cultivated. Late February, uh, we will probably talk to Mr. Rosenbaum, who does the list uh, in the coming month, and we'll definitely get some insight from him. Uh, once the list crashes and, and, and makes its way to the interwebs, if you will. Uh, pretty decent show uh, for a comeback show. I'm still battling my uh, upper respiratory infection, but I, I, was, I really enjoyed talking to these guys. And, and, you know, they're really good to the show, and they, and they come on all the time. Uh, busy week for them, and, you know, a lot of love for them for, for taking time out of their busy schedule away from their family to, to talk to us on a podcast in the, in the middle of the week. You know, it's pretty it's pretty cool from somebody like me to where, you know, just this la- this time last year I was listening to podcasts like this and now I'm interacting with guys like <laughs> Mayo, like Callis, you know, it's it's pretty wild. But if you want to follow the site, it's at EVT underscore news. If you want to follow James and his plague free life at this point, it's EVT underscore J Clark. I'm Austin Hartsfield at Hartsfield PC. This has been the EVT podcast and we are out.